guys. Hi, everyone. Happy, what's the holiday? It's Halloween. It's Halloween, Jeff. It's, uh, I get my candy today, which is great. And <laughs> as you can see, I have my doctor wife here. Uh, remember, Dr. Biden, that's what it's called. Right? Yeah, Dr. Jill Biden. We got to Florida a little early. I've got a big rally thingy tomorrow, you know, with the people and, uh, you know, in the, with the dolphins. I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about that event tomorrow. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be really fun. Maybe well, maybe Charlie Chris and Val Demings will be there. Well, uh, yeah. That would be really fun. Make sure everyone goes out in boats. Oh, come on, man. You know, I want to get up early in the morning and be done in the early afternoon. This is late for me. No, I'm not supposed to be up past this time. I can't see outside, so I can't drive, you know? Yeah, we call that sundowning. Mm -hmm. So what kind of a doctor are you, Dr. Biden? I'm just a doctor. Actually, I'm a doctor. My doctorate is in education. That's very important. We all have to learn a lot because you got to trust the science. And the science classes in school, they, they teach you about that, right? That's important. Mm. Yeah, we have to learn all sorts of things to be doctors. Yeah, that, that requires you to get like a degree and, and graduate top of your class, right? Mm. Well, I thought you graduated in the top of your class, Joe. Was that not true? I don't remember. I, I, I know I graduated. I've got a big sheet of paper that says I went to school. Hmm. I, I'm the president of the United States. Don't you know that? Hmm. I could be whatever I want to be now. If I can become president <laughs> of the United States, so can you. Trick or treat, double K. Thank you. Wow, that's actually less money than the early bird special down in the <laughs> down in the basement at the White House. You know, the, the wonderful thing about it, folks, here, here are the facts, Jack. Anytime you want to have your favorite snack, like I want my ice cream cone, right? It's if, not good for you. I, she keeps telling me that, but I, I just do what I want to do. So late at night when no one's around, I go down to the kitchen and it's only $14.99 for all you can eat ice cream. It's the best. You're you're paying? You're you're, you're paying? You're you're paying for they're well, charging you. It's a very special card. It's this White House card. And as long as I show it, they say it's good enough. It's good credit. Oh, it reminds me of in uh Don't Look Up where they were charging for the snacks. Well, apparently it goes it goes all the way to uh, What's that thing called that prints all the money? The mint. Oh yeah, that thing. I like the mint treasury. Cookies. Never have mint cookies. Mint cookies are really good, especially. Well, I know you like your thin mints. Thin mints with ice cream, <laughs> vanilla ice cream and thin mints. Just crunch them up, put them up on top, and man, I I, I would eat that every day, all day, till I till I can't eat anymore. And when they have me in the old folks' home, they're going to give me a lot of those. Is that coming sooner rather than later? We could do a regular intro and be normal. Do we want to do it? I don't know. I mean, it was sort of requested by Mario. Well, the president's here. I mean, I am the president. Barack Obama. Are you? Barack Obama. Barack Obama, you know? <laughs> and if you don't like me, you can vote for the other guy. But if, if we don't support you, we're not women, probably. Like, if, if you don't vote for him, you're not a woman. Come on, man. All women and men are created sort of a, you know the thing. <laughs> We're endowed by our, you know, that person upstairs who keeps calling my name. I keep telling him I'm not ready yet. I need a little bit more time. Mm, yeah. We've got some really important bipartisan 
things to get done in D.C. I assure you, it's going to be a happy Christmas and a festive new, what's it? It's a new year, Joe. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that'll be here soon enough. And I'm excited. It's, it's all going to be great. And we're going to have a wonderful time. Um, but today's Halloween. And I'm dressed as a successful president. How about you? What are you, doctor? I'm Dr. Jill Biden. Yeah, but what can you prescribe me so that I feel better? Oh, I think everything can be cured with love. Oh, that's that's why I married that lady. Mm. Doesn't she just charm the hell out of you and make you feel like anything's possible? I know it worked for me. And I'm still with her after all these years. Uh, that's pretty impressive, what you say. Uh, all right, I'm done. You're done? I'm done! I'm not done! <laughs> That was the quickest. Hello. 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 La, la, la. <laughs> Hi, everyone. If you're Welcome. not wearing the mess, and I don't even want to wear the jacket. I can't. You have no idea. This is why certain things just don't work well for me. Like, I can't have something on my head, and it's thick, itchy, and all that. Okay. Um Welcome, guys. It's Monday night, generational change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And we weren't able to secure any guests tonight, but everybody was out trick or treating. Yeah. Although, no one at my house. We haven't had a single kid. Not one kid has But come. I see kids out in. They're not coming on this side of the street. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe they're all just going over to that area by the park and they're not coming over here. This That's is possible. our first Halloween well, I think they may be having house, like a Halloween so. party of some kind. Well, they probably do over at the park. I mean, this is our first year in this house, so I have not experienced the, what it's like. Maybe it's always kind of like this, that all the people from this side go over to that side. I, I got to tell you, when I lived in Bill Ray, I don't ever recall anybody ever knocking on my door. I, I don't know. It's gotten, it's, so, it's gotten so tapered down. Um, there's been a lot of fear stuff factor about it. So what you do is you see more like public gatherings. You see like the strip malls doing like a trunk or treat or the schools doing a trunk or treat. Why, people, do, you th- what, why do you think that the fear? I don't know. But like something over the past, I'd say, generation has made it where like people don't want to take their kids out and trick or treat and they don't want to let them go by themselves, I guess. I don't know. But um, I mean, you do see it in some neighborhoods. Some neighborhoods are really good. Like if, if anybody who lives in Hollywood in Florida, the lakes in Emerald Hills is where it's going on. That's the best place to go trick or treating and everyone knows it. So there are certain places that are particularly good. But I think just in the suburbs, more and more people are just doing like area parties or going to other places as opposed to really going trick or treating. I don't know. I always went trick or treating. Like that's the best. I can't really sound like him. He's not, he doesn't exactly have a voice. No, he's not particular enough. And, and that's the problem. He doesn't like, I can't make fun of DeSantis because he doesn't actually, I could probably work on it. That's a little too Brian Seltzer. No, that's Brian (laughs) Seltzer. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, in a way I'm, I'm sorry (laughs) that Brian Seltzer isn't here anymore because he's so easy to make fun Uh. of. He is. He, he is, is Martin Prince, the class clown. He is definitely, definitely. Um, <laughs> so something very interesting happened over the weekend. Oh, yes. You know. uh, there was apparently an assassination attempt on the on the Speaker of the House, and uh, they got the seconds of uh, Pelosi, her husband, Paul. And I don't know, what was, what is his condition? I mean, I know that, yeah. That's I mean, my he understanding. was in stable condition from the beginning, but yeah. clearly 
Look, there's definitely more to this story than what we know. There is. And that's Something's always the weird case. about it. And because I just the fact that he's 82 years old and apparently he took a hammer shot to the head and he's in stable condition at 82. I, something's not, I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't attacked. I'm sure he was, but whatever this is, it's never, the public is only allowed to know so much. I do know. And I was watching our friend, uh, actual justice warrior. He covered this and I actually really liked his, I thought Sean did. did a very good job as yeah, a matter of fact on this. Too. Um, and the fact that Sean was basically telling like the conservative side, like you guys are just as crazy, you mm-hmm. know, with your assessment. But, but it's what I said, like, they're going to try to, of course, Whatever side is going to say that this guy is, well, he's MAGA. But the reality is apparently this guy was more leftist for a much longer period of time, was much more leftist. So what it seems like to me is that this was a mentally ill person. But the other interesting thing is that he was invited in when at least you see a broken window that they show you where he broke in. But then on the 911 call, you you there's. Paul Pelosi saying about, yeah, I, he, I asked him in or I invited him in. Like, there's something very strange about what happened. Um, again, no, I'm not in any way condoning violence. Like, I don't, nothing is okay about this. But I, there's definitely something off about the backstory. Well, and again, we're dealing with a situation that everyone is going to be making a big deal about on both sides. The fact that some people think it's a lover's quarrel. Some say this guy was in the Green Party. I don't think that there's a lover's thing. That's silly. But but see, as you can see, everybody's going to try to just use it for the narrative that they want. Um, The bigger story should really be. This is what I think. We're seeing the downfall of society. We're seeing, you know, you normally wouldn't see, you know, transients, if you will, going into I believe they live in the Pacific Heights neighborhood of San Francisco, which is the wealthiest neighborhood in San Francisco. And so if you're going to do that, you know, you don't you normally don't see that. But eventually people are just going to they're, they're, they're not taking it anymore. Guys, make sure that you smash the like button, share this, get Please. it out there. I want to have as many people watching, even though it's just us. Well, just and, and the, it's just well, in here. But I. That's, to me, the biggest story here that, of course, is not being talked about. So in the meantime, apparently now um, congressional representatives have been given an extra $10,000 for their for their security, for their home security. And I don't have a problem with that, per se. But why aren't we talking about how we're living in a situation where this is such a problem? Because there is a big cause of that, I do believe, is because of those people that are in those offices. So there's a reason that we don't have health care and this guy didn't have health care. There's a reason that people are so desperate and frustrated. Our voices are being stifled. You have we're now in Florida. You can drive your car into a protest. Um, our elections are constantly our voters are constantly being suppressed. So our, our means of nonviolent speech are being depleted and stifled and censored. So you're only going to see people getting more outraged. And I've been saying it for a long time. It's going to get more violent. Um, people can only be squeezed so far. But instead of us addressing all of those factors that are creating that kind of uprising, we're just paying for more security. And it's sort of the same way we're handling the school, the school violence and the shooting in the schools. We're just going to throw more money into security. Again, I don't have a problem with paying for security, but we need to be addressing the causes of the problem. And we're not doing it in either case. So to me, like I, I think that people in those positions, when you are going to act, 
consistently, brazenly corrupt in everyone's face, and you're going to constantly get away with it, and you're going to create policy that only benefits you and your friends, you're going to do some things that are basically against what the majority of people want, yet you're our employee, people are going to start to get pissed, and people are going to start to come after you all. It's just what's going to happen. I mean, we tried to do this the easy way. We offered you an easy way in 2016. It was called Bernie Sanders. That was the easy way. But no, you didn't want to do it the easy way. So now we're doing it the hard way. But unfortunately, it's going to include violence. That's what happens when you push people to their end. And this particular guy does seem like it was a mentally ill person. Oh, which, absolutely. And, and granted, anybody that's going to act in that kind of moment and go in and do violence in that moment to me isn't really thinking clearly, whatever their case is. But when we see more and more desperate people with lack of resources, lack of access to health care, lack of options, this is the kind of thing that I think is going to happen. And I think that we're not talking about that. We're just upping security. Yeah, it's no different than if you're increasing the amount of police you have on the street without addressing the core issues as to that. why those types of things actually end up happening. And that is a great saying. I love that. And it's true, but it's particularly very apropos right now. Well, sometimes putting that in context really does make a difference. But no, and I'm not a supporter of violence. I'm actually very supporter of complete nonviolence. I'm against all the wars. I'm against all of it. We offered you the peaceful solution. People don't want to do the peaceful solution. They think they do, but they don't really. They're scared of that. So this is the alternative. Well, the peaceful solution is also not as profitable. And if you can put a lot more cops on the beat rather than dealing with the fact that we have an opioid crisis and that's being taken to one extreme, the fact that people are not paid a living wage, that's another extreme. The fact that we don't have universal health care, that's another extreme. The fact that the climate crisis is real and whether you believe it or not, people can't drink clean water, that's an extreme. All these things are relatable. And so after a while, you start looking around and noticing some very extreme tactics. Well, I wouldn't even say it's extreme tactics as of yet, but I would definitely say that those tactics are on their way because now as a result of not getting anything done, and you all could probably have an opinion one way or the other regarding the war in Ukraine, but now these public officials, particularly AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar, and I believe one, uh, well, actually, uh, President Obama, um, they're getting heckled now. And people, the, the fact that so many, especially in liberal politics, rely on decorum and don't like this type of thing. They want everything to be civil. But civil is not how anything gets done if the people in charge who are supposed to be civil are not doing anything to help you. I mean, where are we now? We're in a level of desperation that people, I don't think, fully comprehend right now. And yeah, I mean, think about like this is what I think to people like if I were somebody who lost a child because I couldn't get the health care or I didn't have the means um, to get certain medicine that they needed or whatever it was. And I lost a child because of that. I don't know that I, the mental condition that I would would or wouldn't be in and whether or not I would lose it and go try to take it out on someone who I thought was part of the problem. And I got to tell you, I, I get it. There are just, people are just in such a bad way. And you've got people like the Speaker of our House that are completely oblivious. 
and brazenly doing things like, you know, insider trading crap. It's disgusting. The other thing that's interesting about Pelosi is that she hasn't made a formal public statement about what's happened yet, which really does make you wonder if there's more than what meets the eye, because usually a circumstance like that, you would think, you know, she would be out there saying something, but she's said nothing. Uh, why is that? I, I don't know. Um, and right now we have these elections that are in the process of taking place, early voting. Election day is a week from tomorrow. A lot of people are out there, uh, you know, trying to rally the troops, if you will. Um, President Biden will be here tomorrow with uh, Charlie Chris. Not here. Paris. No, he'll be in Miami Gardens. But prob- uh, not. We didn't invite him on the show. Not at, well, he was on the show. He had a, he, he said what he had to say. Yeah. Um, but it'll be in, in a location in Miami Gardens. Um, it's not at the Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play. But if we were living in a political era where people really believed in their elected officials, they would fill a place like the Dolphins Hard Rock Stadium. Instead, they're reduced to trying to get a couple of hundred people into a where gymnasium. Is it, where is it that he's doing it? Uh, one of the colleges. <clears throat> yeah, he can't fill an auditorium. He can't. I don't know anyone who would go out of their way to see him. I don't know a single person that would go out of their way to see him. The only people. Oh. My prediction is who's going to be at that event is what's typical Florida Democrat event. It Thank you, Double K. I didn't realize that. Thank you. I guess uh, Nancy did make a statement. No. Um, so, no, these events and for people who don't know, like when these types of events happen in Florida, whether it's Stacey Abrams coming or it'll be Joe Biden or whoever it is that you would think. This should be someone who draws a big crowd. One, it's not only, it's never a big crowd. Two, half of the people in that crowd are Democratic Party insiders and a chunk of other candidates that are running and schmoozing for things. That's who goes to these things. Regular people are not flocking to go see Joe Biden. They're just not. No, they're not. And I think this speaks to an even greater problem within the Democratic Party in terms of the long-term effects of being so brazen in their corruption regarding Bernie Sanders and the movement that was trying to be built. As a result, the party has hamstrung its future in many ways. Now, I know a lot of youth are going to get out there and vote. Um, You know, there's a lot of them in California and Texas in particular. Um, I know a lot of people in Texas are trying to be as gung-ho as they can be about Beto O'Rourke. Uh, he's not going to beat Greg Abbott. Um, it probably won't even be close. And this is unfortunately a byproduct of the leadership of the Democratic Party in many ways, because there just isn't that many inspiring people. And there are a number of inspiring congressional representatives, in my opinion, in Texas. You know, we're very friendly with Jasmine Crockett, who will be going to Texas representing Dallas. Uh, we'll be going to Congress representing Dallas. Uh, Greg Kazar, um, in Austin, uh, he is going to Congress. He's pretty good. Uh, and Michelle, uh, Vallejo, Vallejo, I think is how you say that. Um, you know, she's in a very contentious race right now. Okay. Mario, so, I'm going to comment on Alexandra Hunt in a second. Yeah. Okay. So I do think that that's, uh, I think those races are obviously important and I would say two of the three are likely to win. Uh, the third, maybe. But in terms of what's really going on around the country right now, um, you know, Pelosi, Clyburn, Hoyer, you know, even our congressional representative, Wasserman Schultz, they're reflective in many ways of this old guard of the party that just needs to go and doesn't want to go because the hooks of corporate power are so knee deep within the party infrastructure. And they're all living very high in the hog. Extremely high. 
They're making they're they're making they're, money hand over fist. And a lot of that also has to do with insider trading. That Pelosi refused to bring that bill to the floor. Can you imagine why people might be angry? Could you imagine why people might be voting Republican? And I know plenty of them that are. Oh, yeah. And they don't care that the Republicans are pretty much the same. The Republicans don't pretend to give a damn. They tell you, here's a paddle. If you can swim, swim. And if you sink, you sink. And that's how their party rolls. And it's always been that way. No matter how hard the Democrats tried to court Republicans into their party, the Republican attitude was, okay, we lose them. We'll find new ones. Okay, Metalopoly, we unfortunately are not going to get into the Seth Rich thing. But trust me when I tell you, I hear you. I really do hear you on that. And I agree. But we're, we're just, we're not going to go there. Um, you already did. I've been <clears throat> suggesting it. Why'd you even address it? I, no I didn't say anything it. about it other than it is. Um, it is. It is what it is. So um, also, uh, I wanted to say, I actually think that Beto will get closer to Abbott than Chris will get to DeSantis. That's probably correct. So I'm curious. I am curious. I do, I do think Beto will do better than Chris. I think Chris and his ads are pathetic. It's just so pitiful. It's he he's so awkward and has to try so hard and he just looks like he's trying to please everybody and he has no substance whatsoever. Well, again, he also has a habit of doing these, um, you know, these publicity stunts. And that's not to say that Texas couldn't potentially go blue at some point. They are getting better representatives at the federal level, like Jasmine Crocker, Greg Kassar, and hopefully Michelle Vallejo. Uh, they could have had um, Jessica Cisneros. Uh, but the Democratic Party decided that, that it was more important to protect their corporate candidate and somebody who is not going to be helping Beto try to get over the hump. I would imagine if Jessica Cisneros was in Congress right now, that she would be making a collective effort to try to help Beto. Well, and I also would like to then bring back to, let's bring it full circle to Nancy Pelosi, who during the same week that the Roe v. Wade decision was overturned, was was decided was down in San Antonio campaigning for an anti-choice candidate while shaking her head at the Supreme Court for overturning Roe versus Wade. So again, I can imagine why a lot of people find the hypocrisy and the corruption disgusting and suffocating. And they're just, people are not going to take it anymore. And I've said it for a very long time. You guys can't build moats wide enough. You just can't, and nobody is untouchable. Double K, it's not that I don't think women care about their bodily autonomy. I think they absolutely do. I think you have to remember that there have yeah. been some positive signs, especially when ballot uh, when a ballot initiative is put forward, like in Kansas and in various other states. They secure um, the ability to you know, protect your body. I do think that abortion is a very important issue, but it always comes down to the economy. And after that, it comes down to crime. It does not come down to a woman's right to choose because a woman's right to choose has nothing to do with whether you can feed your family. And that's a big problem. And they, again. Well, and case, the reason that it isn't is because women are still second class citizens and the level of misogyny is off the charts. And for the most part, I will say the women that have been suffering as a result of lack of access to reproductive health care and abortion services, they've already been suffering for years and years and years because what people don't realize is access to those things is still not really there for most people. It's just not, it hasn't been in years. So when I lived in Texas, there were only two places in the state of Texas where a woman could get an abortion in the second trimester. And that was back in, oh God, 98-ish, 98, 99. And it was legal. 
it just wasn't available. So people that don't have means have been used to this level of their rights being disparaged for so long that that's not going to be the voting issue for them. And you can see this by the women that come out in these pro-choice like rages, rightfully so, are all women of means. It's yeah. usually um, it's usually white, suburban, educated people that are all up and up uproared about and their right often, to choose, which, again, I am with you. I and, am uproar. And amazingly, often women that will never have to worry, even if the law changes for them, if they have to get one, they're going to get one. That. But it's just it's this is noticeable to them now because now it's an official law. But what I'm saying is to people without means, the lack of access to those services has been for a long time. So it, it's not. And many of us that have known this is coming for a long time. Uh, just it, it's um, it's a technicality that really sucks right now. But I kind of feel like we need to all hit rock bottom maybe before everybody is paying attention. Yeah, and I definitely yeah, agree. Uh, really one second, guys. I am putting something on in a minute. So what am I doing? I'm trying to fi- I'm trying to set something up. So, yeah, I definitely agree that we've got um, five hundred dollar donation, Mario. That's, that's a little high. Yeah, it's a little just just. Yeah. Well, you know, the problem also for Michelle is she's probably not getting much support. She's getting it from Bernie. Oh, we uh, can address the Alexandra Hunt thing very quickly, or at least I could tell you my opinion on it. And we had right. Alex on the show when she was running, and I actually like Alexandra. She's very nice. I know her personally. I've spoken with her a couple of times. I really like her a lot. Um, I think that her doing the whole OnlyFans thing while she was a candidate was a really bad move. I think that she was already asking a lot for people to overlook the fact that she had been a dancer um, in her past. Now, for me personally, I couldn't care less. I don't care. I'd vote for I'd vote for prostitutes. It's that that's not to me like what people do with their bodies. Like I not my thing. But in the area in which she's running, the thought of somebody who had done exotic dancing taking over a, a black kind of dynasty of representation, it's not the right demographic for that. So there was already that. And then instead of sort of like really coming off a little bit more, I don't want to say apologetic because she has nothing to apologize for, but a little bit more like I've matured, I'm sophisticated, whatever, I'm more political. She doubled down by having an OnlyFans page. And I just feel like that is not going to be taken seriously in our current political climate. And that to expect that stuff to stay private when you then become a public person doubling down on that issue is kind of naive. So I, I didn't even know that that had happened. But it's to me, that was to be expected that her pictures got out. Like, what? how would they not? So it's it, it's just it, it to me, it just it makes it hard for her to look like serious in a political sense for at least people in her district. What are your thoughts? I think you have to accept the fact that if, and this goes for you too, if you want to be in politics, you have to play a certain role. That's just how it is. You can't change the way human nature moves itself. There's also this idea, again, this is also part of what is going to be retribution for many people regarding the whole overwoke movement, as well as the, the COVID lockdowns. You cannot stop human nature. That is why socialism slash communism on a standalone doesn't actually work because human behavior will not permit it to succeed. Just like capitalism on its own can't succeed because there's no cap on human greed. So you actually need both. 
you need capitalism and socialism. You need both. That's the only way it works. And so now when you want to be a leader and you want to express yourself, but you can't accept the fact that people will not accept you expressing yourself in a certain way if you're trying to be a leader, then make a choice. Either he was annoyed about it from the beginning, by the way. Not annoyed, but when she first had the OnlyFans page, he called me up and he I thought she's a, out of her mind. Well, first of all, she had no business doing it in a district that she had no chance of winning in the first place. It was not. But you add that into the mix, and now when she attempts to run for other offices, that's not going to help. No. It's only going to hurt. It makes It bothers me that that's the case, but that's the case. That's how I feel. Like It, it, it yeah. shouldn't be a thing to me. But unfortunately, the whole world doesn't work that way, and especially not the people in that district. And there's also something to be said for the way that people make certain topics become the center of attention politically. It, people need to get back to realizing that as long as the people in question are not hurting other people, respect how other people feel. Yeah, Paul, I'm with you. I don't get it either. I don't. It's fear. It's fear. It's always fear of the unknown. It's fear. It's and, and it's really interesting because... All of the things that people are seemingly freaking out about regarding like trans things, they've always been um, um, around us. Like there have always been trans people. It's Pat. It's Pat. Well, I mean, well Pat was just non-binary. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. But my point is, is that oh, trans people have lived among us forever. Gay people have lived Gay among people us. too. And it's just now that there's this fear of it because... We're actually, God forbid, allowing those people to just exist openly. And why? And that's scary to people. They want them to be living not openly. Well, it's not even a question of them living openly or people really caring about it. It's that why do they make this a central focus? They make this a central focus because it is not about economic populism. Anything that moves away from the core issues of economic populism, living wage. Political theater is what it is. Universal health care clean water, having a real robust, clean energy infrastructure built. To trans people. Mm. If you're not talking about those issues, which unite people, and you're talking about wedge issues, they're all wedge issues. Right. Well, and here's the thing, though. The sad reality is, is the end result is harmful to trans people. And they're being used basically, as political pawn. Um, it's really no different than the choice issue is for women in terms of it's really used as a political football for both sides. Um, the trans people, it's really unfortunate that more people don't understand that this is what's going on. Um, but I just, I love how Cornell West talks about the trans, the trans, he's like our precious trans folk. Yeah. And it's like the trans I- people are really so vulnerable and it's just, you know, for be example, kind. You know, you know, if if if, I, if 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 our conservative friend Metaopoly and our progressive friend Paul were to have a discussion regarding, let's say, abortion, uh, trans rights, things like that, there would probably be a lot of disagreement, significant disagreement. Probably the same would be true about Trump and what he does. But you know where I don't think there'd be a lot of disagreement if you talked about whether or not somebody who works a live for for a full time job and is a benefit to society, should be able to make enough money to survive and thrive. Right. We need to stick with the populist issues, but... Healthcare. 
okay, metal operating. Your your primary issue is you're not under, or maybe you're not understanding the difference between sex and gender. And again, I am strictly a person of science and reason on this. So it's just, it, it, it's science, right? So it, women do have their own spaces, but you need to accept that there are women that might have male anatomy. That's where you're getting all you just can't seem to like wrap your head around. So women do have their spaces and trans women belong in those spaces. So that's the thing. It doesn't matter what somebody's biology doesn't determine what space they should be in. They should be in the space that they feel comfortable being in just as a person. That's that's just how I believe it should be. And if the real right wing had their way, by the way, with the bathroom thing, for the love of all that is holy people, where do you think everyone's been going to the bathroom all this time? You think you know what everybody's genitalia is in every stall next to you? For God's no, sake. No, and again, people. this is all manufactured. This is a manufactured crisis because, again, it doesn't deal with actual economic problems. The only issue that the conservatives are, I'll say there's two issues. There's two issues that the conservatives tend to be sharper on than progressives are. They are sharper regarding uh, the border and they're sharper regarding crime. And does that mean that they have all the answers? No, they don't. In fact, a lot of what they suggest is wrong. And nothing is more wrong on the conservative side than what we do regarding energy and how we are actually going to live on a clean planet that we can survive on. That's a big problem. Those types of issues can be discussed. But as we've learned, especially with clean energy transfer away from coal and natural gas, Agreeing on something like nuclear is actually there. And that's a big deal. So we need to be focusing on the issues that actually matter. With all due respect. Which isn't to say we shouldn't be protecting the trans community. No, you ch- no absolutely protect the trans community. But that's really not an issue. You've, you make it an issue. And the reason they make it an issue is because out of a country of 330 million people, there's probably a few thousand, maybe Tens of thousands that are lunatics on both sides. Yeah. And so out of that microcosm of people, like that random LGBTQ teacher who wants to teach little kids about sex, which is not right, is a. Those are outliers, though. Like, come on. Total outliers. The majority of LGBTQ teachers are just teachers. And and it's no different. (laughs) And it's no different than people who are on the conservative right who didn't want to wear masks and were thinking that people who weren't wearing masks were randomly going up to people coughing on them, trying to give them COVID. That's a random outlier of a lunatic who happens to be on the right. Right. They always point to the outliers, but that's what makes the best stories. And that's what forces people to pick teams. And that's what they're doing with that. And it's the same thing with the trans thing. Why don't we just let people use whatever bathroom they want? But personally, like to me, the thought of, and I've thought of this before, I'm thinking, okay, if I go into like a bathroom in the movie theater, and the, and the conservatives had their way, I'd walk into the women's restroom and there could be a bearded man in like man clothes just standing there in the bathroom. And because that man might have female anatomy, that makes sense to them. I got to tell you, as a woman, that we, we don't like that. And also from <laughs> a, like for, that. for conservatives, um, you can't protect everybody all the time. It's not possible. There are bad people in this world. And bad things will happen. But most people aren't. No. Most people don't want to hurt people. Most people want to just everyone to live and let live. That's the truth. Most people are that. And I can assure you all that if we had universal health care where people got the proper mental health care that they need, you would see a hell of a lot less problems that exist in society today. A hell of a lot. 
and it costs a lot less money, and it's so much more effective. Fiscal conservatism, universal health care. Well, right. Anybody, well, that's why to me the most important thing is, is if you are willing to look at things with reason and based on facts and science and evidence, like if you're willing to look at things like that, instead of just saying, go team red or go team blue, then we can have a discussion on how to fix it. Metaopoly, get more of your friends that are like-minded like you want to this podcast. Because what it really is, a lot on the right. See, here's the thing. This is really stirred up from the right to rally the base, to rally the religious base and all the real, you know, right wing people. And don't get me wrong. There's definitely a contingent of overwokeness. Oh, on the well, left. I was going to get to that. Well, that was the, that's the counterbalance. Like, yeah. let me let me point this out to the to metalopoly people on the right. I don't agree with the overwoke on the left. However, this they wouldn't have brought this up. Right. Like this wouldn't have been something they would be bringing up. You wouldn't have the left sitting there promoting just out of the blue, we're going to just start putting trans issues out there and just teaching about trans issues and all that stuff. No. What happened is people became more accepting and people started realizing that trans people live amongst us. And there are people that want to educate people accordingly. And that's the reason aspect of it. And then the right, of course, the leadership of the right, cling on to that and put out all this fear and all this hate and all this crap. Why do you think Matt Walsh does what he does? Because it's lucrative to do it. He's no different than Steven Crowder. He's no different. And listen, we're friendly with Michael Knowles, but he does it too. It's just feeding off of hate and anger. And when I, he knows I where can the tell, buttered, he knows where the money is. When I was on his show and I was waiting for my segment and I was listening to him talk the previous segment yeah. and he referred to people and he still used this term and they do it to be incendiary, illegal aliens. I find that disgusting. I find, first of all, I find the use of the word illegal regarding humans to be just ridiculous. You mean that they're non-citizens? Okay. You mean that they're in violation of like the border crossing policy? Okay. But they're just people. Find them and move on. My point is to call people illegal aliens. That's just trying to be incendiary with rhetoric. There's no one. It's they use these words on purpose to rile people up for no reason other than to be mean and hateful because it doesn't describe that person any better than if I were to say somebody who's undocumented or somebody who is newly crossed over the border. I could say it a lot of different ways without calling somebody an illegal alien. It's just mean. And right now, when we are in the home stretch of the election, and most of these things are pretty much already decided, we kind of have a very good idea of where this is going. You know, the Republicans are going to win the House And it's pretty much a toss up right now as to who is going to get the Senate. And so all the advertising when it comes to the Democrats against the Republicans, it's all negative advertising. Yeah, we really haven't given you much, but if the Republicans take over, it's going to get a lot worse. You've had two years to make significant fundamental. I know nothing will fundamentally change. But you needed to make fundamental change because that is what the country is demanding, is fundamental change. I always I I said this back in the summer of 2015. I said this country is heading for serious change. You're either going to get it peacefully with Bernie or you're going to get it violently with Trump. Make a choice because that's where it's going. It's too obvious now that that's where it's going. And even now. They want to double down on the They're same still, crap. Um, they can't stop. So Metalopoly is asking, what are my thoughts on surgery and hormone being used on young children? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So a lot of what you're hearing 
are talking points that is not based on what's really going on. You know what? We're going to have on a couple of trans people and have a discussion on this because I, I really think it's important. We've got a couple remember, of trans friends down here. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. I mean, yes. But do you remember what was her name that we met up at Nina's office? The girl, the, the, the uh, partner of the. Yeah, the I, I, I know you're talking about. She's like in charge of that organization. Anyway, we will have somebody on that can like really talk us to this. Yeah. But let me be very clear. There is no rash of doctors prescribing hormone blockers and doing surgical procedures on children willy-nilly. That's not a thing. That's not how this goes. So my thoughts on that are the same as my thoughts on my right to choose. What happens between somebody and their doctor, even if it's a minor with the consent of their parents, is none of my business. It's none of my business. We shouldn't even know that. Are there going to be mistakes made? Maybe. But for the most part, those decisions are being made very carefully under doctor supervision by parents who love their kids and want to see them be happy in their lives and in their bodies. No, nobody's doing it maliciously. No demographic by a significant margin is more suicidal than trans people. And you, it's just, you know, by, uh, by, by, by this much. And, and just so people are aware, nobody is conducting surgical transformations on children. That's not happening. Haven't heard of it. Would love to, if somebody wants to show me where that's happened, I'd be shocked. Puberty blockers, that is something that's done. And from people that I have spoken to in the trans community, a friend of mine, um, the the ability for somebody who is trans to be able to transition um, pre-puberty or during puberty or block that off at that point instead of waiting till they're an adult to transition makes the world of difference in their lives. If they decided, let's say at 18, that they didn't want to transition, they could stop taking their hormone blockers and they can get back to whatever their their biology is at that time if That's they fine. make that choice. That's, That's how... There are no doctors are, are cutting parts off of children. That's not a thing. And puberty blockers is something that makes their lives livable. And so my question is, why are people so consumed with other people's genitalia? I don't understand. It's not our business. It's between them and their parents and their doctor. But no, there are no doctors out there just changing people's genders because some kid walks in one day and says, yeah, feeling like I want to wear a dress and the mother just goes, all right, that's it. Puberty blockers were on. And then the kid gets scheduled for to have his, his penis removed. This is not a thing. So stop looking at outlier fringe things and cases or whatever. That's just not typical. And again, I would have, I have a big problem as I imagine anybody would with little kids being brought to drag shows. I don't agree with that, but again, you're talking about an outlier. Does, does, See, and does, that doesn't bother me. Okay, I, drag shows I, aren't inherently sexual. No, well, if you saw the footage of the, I, it was not. Oh, is there a particular thing you're talking about? Yes, oh, I didn't know. Okay, yes. I thought you were just talking in general. But what again, happened? out of a country of 330 million people, yeah, provocative dancing, inappropriate attire, and things that I'm telling you, little kids were exposed to. And in a country of 330 million people, there's a lot of bad things that go on. Do you know how common incest is in parts of this country that you don't know about? How about sexual assault? How about rape? That is infinitely more common than anything in the trans community that you think you know about. Okay, I'm going to say something Let's see crazy. The crusade. Let's see the crusade happen about the fact that women never come forward, very rarely, when they are raped or assaulted. And why is that? 
Because even if they're believed, nothing ever happens to the assaulter. Very rarely. Um, okay, metalopoly, double mastectomy is not changing genitalia. I know this is going to be crazy to you, but breasts are not genitalia. And while I am not a supporter of children having cosmetic surgery, I would say to you that I went to high school in a very, very heavily predominantly Jewish area. And the amount of people that I grew up with that had their noses done and their boobs even done and their chins done before we graduated from high school was quite high. Mm -hmm. So I would like to say that while I, you know, and again, what happened with Jazz Jennings, it's like, these these are things that are between them and their parents and their doctor. And, and that's the key point is it's not our business. And yes, there are going to be people that maybe there are going to be cases where maybe it doesn't work out great. And the kid does have problems and suffers. That is that is a possibility. But that's the consequence of living in a society where we all get our privacy is sometimes things are going to not be good. But mostly that's not how this goes. Universal health care, living wage clean energy grid, end the wars, criminal justice reform. These are the things that most people agree on. Yeah. And if you want to talk about canceling student debt, you don't lead with canceling student debt. You lead with tuition-free public college and trade schools so people can actually learn a skill so they never have to get or ever worry about student debt. If you want to end student debt in the United stop States- creating it. Stop creating it. Well, there's that. And then there's also that, that it totally will normalize it. When we talk about tuition-free public college and you have that, let's say we have that over and over and over for a few years, then it's going to be, well, why does anybody have debt for something that's free? And then it's just a matter of, okay, that's ridiculous. So it's all working in concert to normalize something that should be normalized, which is higher education. We've had K through 12 since, what year did we start K through 12? Was it a new deal thing? No, it was before that. I forget uh, when we got K through 12. Public education system has been around since, I want to say like the 1880s or 90s or something like right, that. Right, but when did it become like you got K through 12? Like in any event, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago and we need to up the game. We need to up the game. We see people, I, do you know other countries learn multiple languages? Mm. And yeah, our kids are forced technically to learn a second language, but none of them really learn it. It's They're not never really fluent. It's no, it's not like other countries. Like when you're in Brazil, for example, which we could talk about Brazil, we but will. when you're in Brazil, they learn three languages. Like they learn three languages. My, my uh, old massage therapist of mine, she grew up there and they, they learn English, Portuguese, and a lot of Spanish. So like by the time she graduated high school, she was fluent in three languages. Pretty smart. Yeah. And that's not like an outlier there. That's the point. That's typical. Our kids here do not learn that way. And so the idea that people are so put off by expanding our education is, is just crazy to me. We're all better off with more educated and healthy people around us. We're all better off that way. I assure you, the better educated is not going to be the problem. Right. Like that's I, I just it's an investment. It, it really is. I, I don't. Yeah. That creating lifelong debt for people to educate themselves is insanity. That's like that's really showing a very backward and stupid civilization where you basically are punishing people for getting educated. Well, speaking of Brazil, yeah. uh, obviously a very big deal. Um, one second. So very important. Um, 
Lula da Silva is going to be the next president of Brazil. And what makes this story so interesting is not only is it a great thing that we no longer have to worry about Bolsonaro being the president because he is the South American Trump. That's what it is. Uh, The man was basically destroying uh, the Amazon. Destroying the Amazon. Yeah, I think people need to recognize this is the whole world's problem. The Amazon provides like what percentage of our oxygen? I mean, it's huge. We need the Amazon. We really want to destroy the planet and make it uninhabitable for people, then this is one of the ways that that happens. It just is. And so Lula da Silva will return to Brazil's presidency in a stunning comeback. And it is a stunning comeback for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is the fact that he was incarcerated on false pretenses. I mean, you want to talk about a fascist style government. That's what they had. And credit to Glenn Greenwald. He and and a couple of other journalists uh, really did their part in ensuring that Lula was able to get out of prison and the charges were dropped. And also, I feel like we need to do like a posthumous shout out to Michael Brooks on that because he was always like one of his biggest fans and would always talk about this and never let it, you know, never let it go away. Yeah. It's important, people. The 76-year-old politician's win represents the return of the left into power in Brazil and concludes a triumphant personal comeback for Lula da Silva after a series of corruption allegations led to his imprisonment for 580 days. The sentences were later annulled by the Supreme Court, clearing his path to run for re-election. They tried to bury me alive, and I'm here. And he is. Michael Brooks interviewed him when he was in prison. That's what it was. He actually went and interviewed him when he was in prison. That's the look of hope, guys. That's the look of people in a country that know that they have been on the wrong path for some time. And Bolsonaro was trying to stage a coup. They were blocking off people from voting in certain areas. They knew that we're going to come out for Lula. They predicted that the election was likely going to be about three to five points in Lula's favor. It ultimately ended up being just over a point. But whether you win by an inch or a mile, you win. And he did. Yeah. And even though there were members, apparently, of the Bolsonaro regime trying to convince Bolsonaro to not accept the results and potentially even call in the National Guard. Has he conceded? Did he? He technically has, but he's not acknowledging Lula. Okay. So he's just being a sore loser, but he acknowledges that he lost this. Let's put it this way. His own wife said, congratulations, President De Silva. The world is better off this way. Yeah. It's one of those things. We need the rainforest. And we, yeah. It's, we, well, we it, it's really important. I, and it really, I forget the percentage, but it's really high of the amount of our oxygen comes from that rainforest for the whole world. It's not just them. It's the whole world. So having someone that takes that seriously. It's sort of like he's in charge of our lungs. Let's pretend that. He didn't take COVID seriously. The economy was not doing well. The corruption was insane. And all the while, they thought that they could just pillage the country, which goes on in a lot of places around the world. It's happening here. The only problem is, is that 
Brazil's economy is one of the biggest in the world. I think it's in the top 10. I really need to go. I really want to go. There's so many places in South America I want to go. That's so as a result of that, you know, you can't have that type of leadership. And maybe that will set the precedent for many other nations. Question is, how's Lula going to govern? If Lula governs as a, you know, basically like a Maduro, uh, you know, basically as a dictator, socialist, that doesn't allow for the country to thrive economically, then you're going to really have a problem and the whole thing is going to start all over again. Double K, he says he's going to, he says he's going to ban deforestation. You know, I mean, you know, is he going to really do that? I don't know. I mean, Trump said he was going to do a lot of stuff when he was running that he didn't do. But um, I think that Lula has a history that is tangible that people can look at and say, how credible is this claim? How, how you know, serious? I don't know enough but about really his history. He did enough when he was president that the country really wanted him back. Now, of course, part of it, I have no doubt, is directly related to them not wanting Bolsonaro to be president. And if you think we have any clue as to the tactics that Yair Bolsonaro was employing to try to rig this election, you'll never know. Well, I'd wonder what what, what our hands were in this, too, because there's no way that we didn't have some level of participation in this. We had picks. You know how many assassinations probably took place that you'll never hear about? Well, I mean, I'm wondering who our pick was and how we finagled in this, because, like, everybody plays in everybody else's elections. Well, it and, affects them financially. And when everybody's coming out saying, oh, look, Biden praised uh, De Silva as the president. Well, let's not forget that Bolsonaro's biggest cheerleader is Donald Trump. In fact, I think that Donald's got something to say about all this. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that with other conditions, all other things, uh, I wouldn't say that Biden would necessarily be a Lula da Silva supporter. Like they, they are the people that would normally be supporting Lula da the other Silva side. is a total loser. He's a really terrible person. And he totally did not win that election. He totally lost. And they, they put him in there. Well, it's then we're looking at fake news. It is fake news. It's totally fake news. No one wins an election by less than a point. It's ter- <clears throat> That's terrible stuff you're smoking there. I got totally better stuff than that. But believe me when I tell you. It's how you end up roofied on Epstein's Island. Bolsonaro has not conceded. I called him last night. I told him, don't you concede. You totally want to tell him you want and they'll believe it eventually. The bigger the lie, the more likely people are to believe it. I like you, dirtbag leftist. I like the way you think. Totally. Don't like any dirtbags, especially those on the left. They're just dirtbags in general. But believe me, Bolsonaro won that election. Totally won it. You know how I know? Because I was counting the votes. That makes sense. I didn't think you could count. One, two, seven, six, exactly. three, eighteen, twenty-seven, twenty, twenty-four. Is that your is that your uh, bank account in the Caymans? Make America great again. Again. When I run again, the secretaries of state will count the votes my way. You're going to lose to Ron DeSantis. I created Ron. And he's going to take you out. Oh, no. No, It's Dr. Frankenstein. He totally totally owes me. I made him governor and he'll make me president again. That's the way this works. He is on his own. Oh, no. He is on his own trajectory. He doesn't have any trajectory. His trajectory runs right to Mar-a-Lago, and we are going to face off. His trajectory is going to the DeSantis, White House. I'm calling you out. I totally see you. If I had the power to make Charlie Chris governor, I would. But even I can't help that man. He's such a loser. But believe me when I tell you, 
I am totally taking you out. If you even think about running for president in 24, you've got another thing coming, buddy. I don't stand down to anybody, especially you, little weasel. I made you governor, and I will be your maker. Believe me. So. So are we going to canvas tomorrow? Maybe. Wait, no, I'm... I'm Oh, you're going to Naples? Yeah. Are you spending the night there? Are you coming back Wednesday? Yes. Are you going to be here for a show? Do we have yes. a show? Working Do we have on anybody it. on a show? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we'll have uh, Anthony Nieves, who's running for State House in Orlando. He will be coming on. True okay. progressive. Let's see if we can get Max Alvarez on. Uh, sure. Actually, um, you know when we should have Max Alvarez on? And I also want to invite that other girl who wrote the other book. There were dates too. I was watching. I'm such a geek. You know what? We should have Max Alvarez on. We should have him on an election night. Have well, let's on. see if we can. All right. So here's here's something that I'm watching. So for anybody who's a real dork, C-SPAN 2 actually at night, late at night covers like book festivals and they have authors on discussing books and panels with book discussions. And I was watching, I think it was, last night or the night before, and there was a panel discussion and it was regarding um, labor and what's going on in the labor movement right now. And Max was one of the authors on the panel. He has a new book out that he wrote that I have ordered that I will read. And then another girl named Kim Kelly, who I was a journalist and I'd also like to have her on, who has another book out about this. And my goal is to read those books and have them on and talk about what's going on. And hers was more about history of labor, which is really cool. And we need to see it's repeating itself. That's the whole point of learning history of it is to see how, where we are now. But anyway, so I was just thinking Max would be a great person to have on. So just by observation in the chat, a Democrat and a Republican both agree it's Ron DeSantis. So that's all you need to know. It's happening, people. So with that said. We and let me tell you, it could be a lot worse. Like over the past few years, people in Florida, we had eight years of Rick Scott. We had four years of Donald Trump. There like we have really, suffered. There are people who really believe that Ron DeSantis is worse than Donald Trump. And the oh, only reason no, they're saying no, that no. is because they know DeSantis is for real. And they know he's a threat. The, the thing about he's Ron DeSantis, not. you have to remember, is that he's not an election denier. He's not out there trying to get these secretaries of state to basically be his kingmaker. That is not what he's doing. He's just kicking ass and taking names. Now, of course, he's a total douchebag, but that's what a lot of people like. It is what it Who's is. Who's a douchebag? DeSantis. Oh, I don't know one way or the other. I mean, he seems kind of like wonky. I could see him being like kind of unsociable and maybe kind of. Yeah, I don't know. But that's not the point. The point is, is that we are in an upswing of this populism and people want that kind of candidate. And the Democrats are putting the closest person that comes is Fetterman to that kind of the candidate that would be needed. You would need somebody like a Fetterman to challenge somebody like DeSantis and have any chance whatsoever. And the Democrats just don't have that. TM is completely right. It definitely was a case of Trump blowing it. He had a national emergency at his fingertips. Almost any president in that circumstance is going to figure out how to rally the country. And here's the thing. And, and anybody who would look at how DeSantis runs things, whether you like him or not, he gets shit done. He gets shit done. Do I think he would have handled things differently than Trump? Yeah, absolutely. Look at how he just had that bridge built, bridge built in Sanibel. Like Within it's, minutes. It, it was so fast. Like he... He just, he gets things done. And it does concern me that he's authoritative. I mean, that's definitely not something that I prefer. But if we're going to have a governor 
um, sitting there, I'd, I'd rather it be someone that can get something done. You know, I mean, it, it's just a matter of that. And, and he is appealing to people. He is. And Trump does not. Trump turns off so many people, even on the right. He does. DeSantis yeah, and I really is much think more people palatable. are very, very foolish to think that DeSantis is not going to run. And, and the other thing you also have to remember is that people really want Trump and DeSantis to run against each other in the Republican primary because that would be a ratings bonanza. People would tune in for that like it was the. The, it, like Ali Frazier. Like and that's they how, have fair primaries on that side. They do. So that would really come down to what the voters want. That's what it would be. And maybe Trump would win the primary. And maybe Trump could become president again. Nothing was I don't this think point. so. I don't think so at this point. I don't. I just don't. I think that at the time when he was running in 16, there was nobody running against him anywhere near like Ron DeSantis. No, there wasn't. There was a whole group of mealy, weemy, Ted Cruzy kind of people that that were so pitiful. The other one you got to look out for now is also Carrie Lake out in Arizona. Watch out for her because she's coming. Ain't going to be tomorrow, but 2028, 2032. Oh, Carrie Lake, she gets to the governor's mansion. You're looking at somebody who will definitely run for president. I do not know enough about that race, about no, Arizona. No, I believe you about Arizona. And the politics, fact that Katie but it Hobbs, is red there. And the fact that Katie, well, no, it, it went to Biden in 2020. Yes, the people there are. Yeah, no, it's I a get very it. yeah, yeah. It's well, red, Biden's it's very red conservative. Place. Like Bernie would not have won Arizona. That would not. It's happen. very libertarian. But yes. you know what's in? It's also basically the birth, the hub of all the legalized weed. And the industry's huge there. And the other thing you have to remember about Carrie Lake is that her opponent, Katie Hobbs, refuses to debate her. The Democrat refuses to debate? Uh Uh-huh. What, are you kidding me? In a general? In a general. Whoever, well, first of all, whoever is telling Katie Hobbs that that it's not good to debate your opponent, especially on the Democratic side, that is, I mean- They're liking her. And the other thing you also have to remember about Carrie Lake, and this doubly makes no sense, is that all of the polls say that Carrie Lake is going to beat her and may beat her badly. How in the hell do you avoid a debate at this point then? Your best shot is to debate her. Because she knows that if if you don't debate at that point, then it's because you know it would actually make it worse for you, then it's over. Then it's over. It's like if you think because obviously her or her team thinks that that would be a bad move. So in other words, she doesn't feel competent. And to I do give so. and listen, I give Fetterman credit. I would have not appreciated if he didn't debate Dr. Ross. He at least was willing to stand up there in spite of his physical limitations of the time being to say, you know, th- this is where I stand. Now, granted, the first poll after the Fetterman Oz debate showed Oz with a slight lead. And now another poll came out. And Fetterman has like a five point lead. I, just, I still okay, think, I'm not believing the polls. I still think Fetterman is going to win in Pennsylvania. I hope so. Um, I hope so. But we'll see. And part of the reason I think Fetterman's going to win is because he is not the typical Democratic candidate no. in Pennsylvania who's just popular in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. And he's not he, overwoke. No, he's popular in the in Pennsylvania. He's popular in the regular red counties, people. regular Joe type people. If anything, if you were to look at the two candidates, you would think that it was the it was the opposite. Yeah. Under normal. Well, under what would be considered normal circumstances, 
Fetterman would be the GOP candidate and Oz would be the Democratic candidate. The roles have reversed themselves in a good way, I believe. Well, I just and I also think that if when you're talking about places like rural Pennsylvania, yeah, it's red. But if okay, let's picture an Elks Club meeting in rural Pennsylvania and Dr. Oz and John Fetterman both walk into the Elks Club. They're going to beat the crap out of Dr. Oz and throw him out the back door and John Fetterman will hang out and have a beer with them. TM, I definitely agree with you. That was the worst part of the debate. I, I hear and I don't, you. And I don't actually, I, I think he's being dishonest. But then again, what they say about politicians, when is the politician lying? When their lips are moving. And if you look at the way that Fetterman answered that question, he basically just said, all right, what's the least harmful answer for me to give here because I can't tell them that I don't actually want to support Frank. Well, but he has, you know, when we're talking about those people in the middle of the state, that's their livelihood. It is. That's working class people. And those people tend to be more red, tend to be working class people, right? Well, those are his constituents in a chunk of his state. That's who he's responding to. So I always say this, like his job is to represent his people and his people in the state of Pennsylvania. A lot of them in that middle part of the state support that because that's their livelihood. Emerald, the Democrats are in trouble for a long time. And this is everything coming home to roost after everyone. You know, this is the interesting thing about policy in the United States. There were a lot of policies that Reagan enacted when he was president that the American people didn't fully feel until a number of years later. The second Reagan's second term was a complete disaster. And so much of what he did, partially because he wasn't there um, and the inmates other were, people were doing it, making these decisions like cutting the top marginal tax rate from 50 percent was already low enough to begin with. Nothing should have ever gone below 50 percent top marginal tax rate but dropping it to 28% and then having the stock market crash in 1987. There were so many things that ultimately led to so many different economic problems. Then so much of what Clinton did, which was so terrible during his administration. He was basically Reagan point two. Two, 2.0. 2.0. And the only yeah. reason why you didn't notice it as much during the Clinton years. The saxophone. Is Monica be- Lewinsky. Is because of the dot-com boom. People having websites, a whole new type of economic opportunity. But eventually you saw just how bad it was. And then, of course, under George W. Bush, the worst president of my lifetime. Yes, worse than Trump. You saw just how bad things could get economically on top of starting two wars that Obama decided to take to seven. We are living in a not so good time. TM, I'm completely against fracking, too. I'm with you, friend. I'm with you. But 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 you got to represent your people and you've got to represent the industries that are in your constituency. Did you know that Pennsylvania is the number one fracking state in the country? That's (laughs) that is sick beyond words. But that is so, you know, but what you do when you're that person, what you can do is you use your platform to better educate your people, to bring in a green infrastructure and to encourage people to go in the green direction. You use that platform. And I believe he is someone who would do that. And I, I will do. say, and I will say this, just from a politically, um, just from an observant perspective, being completely objective about what's happening in politics right now. If Carrie Lake wins, and it's likely that she will, and if DeSantis wins the nomination, Ron DeSantis, Carrie Lake, if that is the ticket, that's it's it's over. 
and it stopped. And I also predict that it's going to be uh, Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis, East Which versus that, West, that will also Rocky Balboa. And that will also be a ratings bonanza as well. Because for corporate media, that's what's most important. And it them. is all political theater. And especially, yeah. and but see, to me, it is worse on the Dem side only because they really anoint their candidates and do not really have robust primaries. So with the Democrats, it's more theatrical because their super delegates pick who they want. And it isn't even really a real robust primary. It's always going to get worse before it gets better. But I will tell you, and this is where we're going to wind the show down. But before we do, all of you guys know we are a show that really cares about the community and the cause. So if you can become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. You can become one of our amazing supporters and we can always use a few more because even though we are raising a little bit of revenue for the show, I've been happy, you know. Yeah, but you know what? We we could do a little bit better. Could definitely do a little bit better. So if you haven't currently signed up to become a patron, we would really appreciate it. So $5 a month allows you to become an official member of the Generational Change team, which is obviously great. But if you're feeling a little bit more generous, $10 a month will get you two wonderful stickers. The Mansion Parliamentarian, this is our ticket on the Democratic side for That's our pick for 24. That's our proposal. the Lulu sticker. I mean, who would not want a cute little munchkin like this? You get to look at the, she's so cute. And she's white power. She is white power. Super white power. But of course, Lulu is all about white if power. If you're really, really being considerate and you really want to support our show, $25 a month will get you. We're not wearing it right it's now. Right there somewhere. No, it's actually oh, okay. there. Oh, wait. No, I moved the whole box there. Oh. The whole box is right there. The whole box. Uh, did I get? Uh, yes, I yes. told you. Here is. So, guys, this is the generational change jersey. It says, "Here comes the sun." They're really cute, and the back says, "Generational change, transforming politics into service." So, anyone who becomes a twenty-five dollar—I tell you what—you become a twenty-dollar a month patron, you'll get one of these bad boys. It's just I'm making a deal. We're making a deal, a totally wonderful deal, spectacular. Incredible then, deal. then we need to send one to Catherine Class. Yes, I think we should. Okay. I think Catherine class definitely. Catherine, let us know your size. Yes, we. Ha- I have her. I'm sure her dress is on Patreon. Yes. <laughs> so, and and of course, our final one, which is always very important. We are very big advocates for local small businesses. If you are one, check us out. Fifty dollars a month. We will plug your small business every show with specific detail in our current and only but very important small business patron. Apex Insurance Agency, based in Delray Beach. They are a local small business for your home, auto, and even life insurance. Get yourself a great quote today. Tell them. That generational change sent you. I always say, tell them Jen and Pete sent you. And if you do that, they might give you a discount. They might. They might. But in any event, it's really good to have a local small business that can be attentive when you actually are looking for policies, and they will look out for you. TM, we love you. But seriously... Do fifty dollars a month, and then we can promote whatever small business you have there in Michigan that Look you would like for us to Look how cute you are, too. About. Yeah, no, it's the glass, the glasses. Yeah, it is the glasses. I, I just but seriously, if you do, if there's anything that you want to promote, TM, just let us know, and we also have to send we have to send TM jerseys. Yeah, so TM, we'd be happy to send you. I think you. I think she said she's XL. Yeah, but, but that's but how, she needs to send her address to us. Yes, TM. Uh, Please email email generational change at gmail.com. We're going to put the email in the chat right now. So just make sure that you check it out. Generational change at gmail.com. Happy to send you a shirt. Send the specifics. 
We will let you know as quickly as we can get it to you. Hopefully within a week would be my guess. Yeah, it's, it's, so, yeah, it's not a problem. Very much appreciated uh, for your support. And so the last story we're going to cover before we go is... is what are you going to talk about? You know, President Obama is basically the only person that the Democratic Party really has that can rally the troops in any capacity. They do have Bernie Sanders, but they don't want Bernie Sanders. No, he rallies the wrong troops. Correct. He rallies workers that don't want to play in the corporate duopoly machine. Yeah. But President Obama is perfectly fine playing that game. You're actually, it's pretty good. Pretty good, actually. But here's something that you don't know about that no one's talking about. See, President Obama decided that it was, in his mind, a good idea to go to Michigan, of all places, oh. to try to rally the troops. Well, that didn't go over very well. But, like, can we say a little bit why that didn't, like, why that's so ridiculous for people who might not realize the ultimate FU that it is for him to even go to Michigan? Let's put on the video first. Okay. And I think people will fully understand exactly why okay. it's such a big deal. Okay. I think it was a big deal. An extremely big deal. Tremendous deal. Did he get a shoe thrown at him? No, not that bad, but here we go. An erosion of just civility, acting right, including in our politics, our democratic norms. We've got politicians who work to stir up division, to try to make us angry and afraid of one another for their own advantage. And all of it gets amped up, hyped up 24 seven by social media, because a lot of times those are their for profit platforms and they find it more profitable to feed you controversy and conflict instead of facts and truth. And, and, and sometimes it, it can turn dangerous. You know, I want to take a moment to say a prayer for a friend of mine, uh, Mr. Paul Pelosi, who was attacked, 82 years old, was attacked when somebody broke into his home looking for his wife, Nancy. And thankfully, doctors believe he's going to be okay, but we'll, we'll let the investigators do their jobs. But, but here's one thing that we can feel, we know. If our rhetoric about each other gets that mean, when, when, when we don't just disagree with people, but we start demonizing them, making wild, crazy allegations about them. That creates a dangerous climate. And if elected officials don't do more to explicitly reject that kind of rhetoric, if they tacitly support it or encourage their supporters to stand outside voting places armed with guns and dressed in tactical gear, more people can get hurt. And, and we're going to be violating the basic spirit of this country. Yes. So, sir, sir, you know, wait, 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 come on. But this, but this is, this is what I mean. 
This is what I mean. I mean, we're having a conversation. This is this is what I'm saying. Look, we we got we got a there is a process that we set up in our democracy. Right now, I'm talking. You'll have a chance to talk sometime soon. We don't have to interrupt each other. We don't have to shout each other down. It's not a good way to do business. It's that you wouldn't do that in a workplace. If you wouldn't just interrupt people in the middle of a conversation. It's not how we do things. And this is part of the point that I want to make. Just basic civility and courtesy works. And that's what we want to try to encourage. Yeah, civility works for the really wealthy people. It works very well for them. It's working just fine. Everyone just mind your business. Oh, my God. I said what I had to say. The American people. Oh, my God. Need to mind their P's and Q's, especially at a rally. When I'm talking, I'm the great Barack Obama. Uh, I could give you pretty words, inspiring quotes, but I ain't giving you health care and I ain't giving you a living wage either. It's not good. It's not good at all. But do we know what the gentleman was yelling about in particular? Was he addressing Flint? Because for people who are not aware, the Flint, Michigan water crisis, it all occurred when Obama was president. And there are a lot of things that he had authority to have done over the state of Michigan and in dealing with the then Governor Snyder. Like there were a lot of things Obama could have done and didn't. And then went there and did that ridiculous stunt (laughs) with the water. So talk about like, is that what the guy was yelling about? I don't know for sure what he was yelling about. Uh, He may very well have just been heckling the fact that Obama was there and the fact that Obama was president. Remember, the Flint water crisis goes back to 2014. This isn't something that happened yesterday. This is something that there was real opportunity. It's been eight years. And our good friend Jordan Cheriton of Status Quo has been covering it since the very beginning. He had to literally beg Jank Uger at TYT to let him continue to cover this story because it is a serious story. And while it does go without saying that former Governor Rick Snyder is a, you know, he's he a should criminal. be in prison. He should yeah. be in prison. He's, I mean, he's a genocidal criminal as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but don't worry, President Biden wanted his endorsement and embraced it, thought that was a good idea. But anyway, uh, the real story here is the fact that the commander in chief for two years had the opportunity to declare a federal emergency in Flint, Michigan, bring in the National Guard and replace the pipes. He could have superseded the governor and he didn't do it. Whatever his motivation was, I don't know, but I can assure you that that was in large part why Trump won Michigan in 2016 and ultimately led to one of the biggest political upsets you'll ever see. President Obama had a huge hand in why that happened. And the fact that he decided to not only go to Flint, but to drink that water and act like everything was okay. 
that was something that he should never be forgiven for doing. And yet today, everyone just wants to kiss the ring. And they're chanting Obama in Detroit. It's very unfortunate. I don't know what he that particular person was heckling about, but I could see a reason. Like for me, for example, if I were a Flint, Michigan resident and I've been living for the past how many years has it been now that since they've had clean water? And and they're stuck. These are people stuck. It's not like they could sell their houses. It's not like they could go anywhere else. So they're like having to bathe in bottled water. Their kids have like poisoning. This is like horrible what is happening to them. And this guy was coming to talk near me. Oh, I think that there would be more than heckling. I think there'd be like massive marches out front. I think it would be a big, pro- I, I find it reprehensible. And I can't imagine other parents and people in Flint don't have that same kind of ire towards people that had the power to help them and didn't. Paul, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. Um, unless you're talking to somebody in the chat, I could be wrong. Oh, uh, we're not, we're not nobody's, Trump. Nobody's nobody's for Trump. Oh, you're talking about because he voted for Obama, regretted it, and then voted for Trump and didn't. Um, Obama's huge disappointment, but it really does go to show you the interesting transition of voters, the amount of people that did vote for Obama and then did vote for Trump really shows you that the Democratic Party has no concept of who their people are and what they're about. Like no, they, all just, those people voted for Trump over Hillary. I don't I don't think that's necessarily the case. What I do think is. I think there's just a lot of people. The night is always darkest before the dawn. And I think the Democratic Party is on the verge of really having its reckoning. They and, need to hit rock bottom. And it's going to be bad. And it could be bad for a long time. The Democratic Party talks about electoral election integrity. They have super delegates, which can be employed to stop democracy whenever they want. We need to have that clip. We need to get somebody to cut it really good so that we can play it when we want to of her answering that question, because that's one of those things that we could have on like a loop because it is so speaks to their their whole party position on all of it. Like they have no they're not Democratic. They're just not. They wouldn't even have a discussion on preventing dark money in primaries. They wouldn't even entertain that discussion. Metanopoly, so. if you truly care about eliminating the corporate control in our country and supporting working people, as this, you claim to support, this isn't then that. supporting the Supreme Court. Remember, the Heritage Foundation put two of them on that court, among other people. We almost considered that for costumes, but I couldn't find a really good hot dog hat. I needed I was going to be Amy Coney Island. And Brett Kavanaugh. Well, and I was going to get you the hat with the, that holds the beer cans with the straw. <laughs> and we'd be wearing robes. Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett have no business on the Supreme Court. None. It's just... They never tried a case. So bad. Much less the fact that they were put there as part of a corporate coup, if you Completely. will. Completely. Completely. There was no real process. She couldn't name the five freedoms of the First Amendment. She couldn't name the five freedoms of the First Amendment. Jen is more qualified to be on the Supreme Court than Amy Coney Barrett. That's sad. And that's, a fa- and that's a fact. And I'm so unqualified. But I'm just saying, she couldn't name the five freedoms. Just as you've often not said. not good, people. You know what? We should read them. It really started. Yeah. Okay. You know what? We should that. read them because I think it's important. You know, Amy Coney Island doesn't know the five freedoms of the First Amendment. How many people do? I do. I don't remember exactly how it's written, though. So the five freedoms in the First Amendment are press, speech, religion, 
protest or I'm sorry, assembly, assembly, and then right to petition the government for grievances. Those are the five. Okay. Um, That's what I'm saying. I can't remember how it's exactly phrased. I'm kind of, here it is. Congress. So this is amendments to U.S. Constitution. The first 10 amendments were ratified December 15th, 1791. And it is what is known as the Bill of Rights. It was written by James Madison. Congress shall, this is amendment one, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's it. That's it. There's five rights in there, right? Religion, press, speech, right to assemble, and right to seek redress of grievances. Five. She couldn't name them. That bothers me. So anyone who thinks that the Supreme Court that they have is, that's what I wanted? No, the Supreme Court specifically is supposed to be nonpartisan. It really is. It really is the one place. You know, there's a reason why people talk about George Washington as one of our three or four greatest presidents. And I agree, because he really made it his mission as president to be as nonpartisan as possible. And he is the only true independent we've ever had. You want to say Donald Trump technically is an independent who was a Republican? I guess. He ran in the party. He's the party. party. uh, You can't call people something unless they're not. But I think a lot of people really are done with the two-party duopoly. They are. The problem is, is that there's no real infrastructure to try to do it otherwise. Don't know what the forward party's up to. The Green Party has made colossal mistake after colossal mistake. And the Libertarian Party really is not the Libertarian left. It is the Libertarian right. And it is hard right. Like hard, hard right. So that's not an answer. Metalopoly, you're getting too, too down picking up people's genders and their sex and their genitalia. Let it go, man. It's just they shouldn't be even asking that. It doesn't matter. It's way more important for a Supreme Court justice to know what the First Amendment says than to sit there and define what somebody wants to hear as woman just to stick it to the LGBTQ community. Like, this is just silly. What does it matter what their opinion on that is? That's and, that's not- the best, and that's the best thing he's done as president. What, Katanji? Katanji Brown-Jackson. That's yeah. the best thing he's done as president. She does deserve to be there. Yeah, she's great. You don't have to like her, but she is qualified. She's very and qualified. And her record especially when it comes to workers' rights and the fact that she is the only public defender that's ever made it onto the court. That's big. Talk deal. about that. That's more important than her being black. Oh, it is. I was that like her being a her and a black. <laughs> those two things were not anywhere near as important as the fact of her being a public defender. Like that's the key thing. Yeah. You know, like her, her, the identity was just so not, and she's awesome. And she's yeah. incredibly bright and very inspiring. And was for a lot of people. Yeah. Now, for those people who just want to lean in on the idea that she was just a woman of color. Well, that's the thing. It's like she she checks those boxes. That's what I sure. mean. Like she she checks those boxes. But to me, the biggest box is public defender. That's a huge advantage for people that are of, you know, left, progressive, regular people mindset to have somebody that's done that on the court. It just is. One thing that I think we've learned from tonight's show is that uh, going at nine versus eight uh, seems to attract uh, a bigger audience. Which Everyone is, just wants me to have to be up late. Yeah, which is fine. Um, an hour and a half. We, re- we should really cap the show at an hour and a half. Like, I think that that's a good time. And so it's timely. On Wednesday, we are looking to have on Anthony Nieves, who's running for state house in or the Orlando area. He's got a 
pretty reasonable chance of winning. And we may also have back, we're hoping, knock on wood, uh, Angelica Duenez, who is running for Congress out in Los Angeles. Uh, apparently a big turn of events in her. Election. Yeah, there's some funky stuff going on out there in that election. You know, basically this Wednesday, our goal is to try to line up um, a handful of different candidates to bring them on, to give them an opportunity to make their final pitch and all that. Because uh, it's important because the next time you'll see us after Wednesday is going to be on election night. So we definitely want to get. And the only thing about election night is it's often very anticlimactic because you feel like results aren't necessarily. I feel like ever since well, we're the past start, few elections. We'll, well, we'll start at nine. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like we're going to start earlier. No, like no. And apparently the polls close really late in California, but there isn't really anything in California that's of importance. And Arizona is now, uh, I believe, Arizona is, Arizona, when is Arizona Pacific time? It's like a specific time. Well, yeah, they don't do daylight savings. That's the thing. So wait, we changed the clocks like next week or something. So I don't know where they are right now. And it's also that way in Indianapolis. But what's weird is, is that the rest of Indiana does do it, but Indianapolis does not. Oh, because they're just so much better. It's not that. I don't know what it is, but it's very, it's so, it's so interesting. It's Hawaii, Arizona, and Indianapolis do not participate in daylight savings time. We really appreciate the chat. You guys have been great this evening. Uh, remember, if you have not subscribed. I totally agree, TM. Like when you are a representative. Negroni, of where have you been? And of course, we endorse Sheila Sherfulis McCormick. And I have not. I really got her name down right. Yeah, Sheila's friend. Um, I totally agree. If you are of a vulnerable community and you're being propped up using that identity as the politics of you, but yet you do nothing to raise up that vulnerable community, then the fact that you are of that community is pointless. So, you know, like Bernie Sanders, uh, infinitely better on, let's say, women's issues than, say, Hillary, believe it or not. Prime example. Uh, for anyone who wants to know where the identity factor really matters in the, for the better is somebody like Ketanji Brown Jackson, whereas somebody like Kamala Harris is the complete opposite. Yeah. So that's what you need to know. Yeah. And understand that that's the real, that's real politics. Also, by the way, the, the problem with judges being political is it's completely contrary to everything that our constitution is about. It's the complete wrong point. It's not supposed to be that way. The judiciary isn't supposed to be that way. It's just not. And I, I always say that I clerked for a judge who was very, very conservative, I believe, but I never saw it, never knew, do not know her political leanings, did not, no idea. And she was brilliant and amazing. And that's what we want in our jurists. We want them to be smart and we want them to use reason and we want them to be, you know, looking out for the people as the third branch of government. And when you have people that are just stuck there as political tools for the legislative or the executive branch, you're not really getting a third branch of government. And that's the problem. So when you say you're happy about it, that it's this tribal partisan thing, it's very concerning to me. That, yeah. Because Think it, about that. it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way. They're not they're not legislators. They're specifically not legislators. Their job is to interpret that. this. Where is it? Right here. This is their job is to interpret and this. nothing more. And when you and when you and by the way, yeah, there are points in that interpretation when you have to look outside of the literal language. It's sort of like, you know, people either they do or do not take the Bible literally, but there's still lessons to be learned. There are things in the Constitution that do have to be inferred and implied because it is quite old. 
and you want people to be reasonable when they do that. And you do want them to take into consideration where we are now as a civilization. And that is something that has to be a little bit more fluid and they should not be partisan. It, it, it's just not, it shouldn't be a thing. And it's scary to me that people think that, which is also why I don't think that they should be, that judges in state races should be elected because they turn it into partisan hackery and it really should never be that. And they are qualified. They need to be qualified. I want them to be, you know what? I want my judges to be elitists. That's the branch of government where I'm okay with them being academic elitists. I'm okay with that. I like them to be very highly educated and really know their stuff. That That is exactly what I want. I don't need my representative to be that, but yes, and I you do know, want that. And you, and you know who was very highly educated and an elitist and knew the law like the back of his hand? Antonin Scalia. He was. He was. And he's as conservative as anybody who's ever sat on that court. But very qualified. Mm -hmm. That's my point. But the point is, and it was still political. He was really, to me, like one of the more political. Until, you know, obviously Bush Bush v. Gore. That was the, that is what ended the Supreme Court. That was it. When they really, that was the beginning of really the end, like where they really delegitimized and looked political. And it was very disappointing. And it's of course not it was supposed proven, to be that way. And it was proven in 2002 when they were finally able to get a hold of the ballots that actually Gore did win Florida, hence he won the presidency. And he could be stewing about that for the rest of his life, going on every channel, lamenting, complaining, saying anything and everything. And he would have a right to do it. And I would support him 100 percent. Unlike somebody who actually legitimately lost the presidency and claims that a foreign country is the reason she lost or the FBI is the reason or. Well, you have Trump doing Bernie it Sanders. now on the other side. Correct. You, now that's just a thing. Right? Everybody's just now going to claim the I election is better. wrong. And just remember, ladies and gentlemen, for everyone complaining about what Trump has been doing, he didn't start this. He's just trying to finish it. I sat around listening to people actually think that what was going on was illegitimate. The fact that I know that they were trying to get the electoral college electors to flip their votes from Trump to Hillary. That was a real thing. But that never got the attention it deserved. Anything you can do, the GOP will do better, especially when it comes to dirty politics. Yeah. You can't beat them. Nobody can. Yeah. If they want Herschel Walker in the freaking U.S. Senate, you have to know that there are no standards. And that's it. So it's that said, uh, Tulsi Gabbard is definitely up to something. I will tell you guys that. That's yeah, it. she's looking at 24. Yeah, she's looking at 24 on the Republican ticket. You maybe you'll get it. Well, no, see, DeSantis, I can't see him connecting with her at all. On that note, Metaopoly, we definitely agree. That is correct. Oh, Yeah. Well, you, you, Roe v. Wade was a weak decision. It was never properly done. It was always very, like, it was always at risk of this happening, but which remember, is why it needed to be What codified. would be the point of codifying it exactly. when you could fundraise off of it? It's so much better. That, and also, if you can just appoint political, like, pawn jurists to just strike down whatever it is, then yeah. But if you were going based on actual qualified jurists that were using reason and basing their thoughts in, you know, what's best for civilization. If you guys want to make sure that we really have a big audience on election night, make sure that you go over and uh, on our YouTube channel. We already have the stream set up. So make sure that you click the bell for the reminder, be on the waiting list. Want to get as many people in. We'll have a lot to talk about. Hopefully we'll have some special guests to break it all down and figure out what's coming next. I think we have a slight idea of what's coming. Who else would we like to get on for election night that you think might want to come? Maybe Harvey. 
be fun. I Harvey, and, we'll have Harvey and Max. That would be the two. I would think having them, those two on would be good. So we'll see. And maybe one more. We might have a fun little election. We could have party. an election party. You so. never know what things turn into. Uh, TM, uh, for DeSantis, it's either Tulsi Gabbard or Carrie Lee. I just, but I'm, I'm seeing what you're saying. Like, I don't think, I don't think DeSantis, no, I don't think he, I don't think he'd work with Tulsi Gabbard. I just don't, I don't see it at all. all. soldiers though, I don't know. That, but also very, no, I don't see it. And, and I, I can't even quite put my finger on all the whys. I'll think about it. I'll ruminate on that. And then I'll come back and explain all the whys. But I just, I don't see it. I don't know enough about Carrie Lake, but I oh, just can't see Oh, if you saw see her, it. you'd see it immediately. But like, I just, yeah, I can't see it with Tulsi and him. Mm-mm. And I also don't think Tulsi wants to be second. Well, make sure that you guys remember the live stream is already set up for election night. So make sure you get over there and hit the like button and also get on, uh, get in the waiting rooms, make sure you're ready once we start that live stream. But we will be here again on Wednesday, likely at 9 p.m., uh, it looks like this time frame is working uh, better for our channel to get more, uh, get more. But we have a guest that that went next yes. Wednesday. Yes. Okay, no, but so we can't. Wednesday. Okay, this Wednesday, yes. yes. But next Wednesday we do have a guest. Yes, we do. So that's whatever time it is is what time it is. Dope sick. Well, the new book is raising Lazarus, and it's quite good. Well, with that said, we appreciate you guys. Really means a lot. Like, subscribe, and share. See you Wednesday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.